Faith here with a welcome toast. It was one of my favorite people, Calvin Trillin, who said, Canned crab meat tastes like styrofoam. A bad version of she crab soup in Charleston tastes like the sauce used on lobster Newburgh by the third fanciest French restaurant in Tulsa. Please feel free to consume this show podcast in small bites or eat the whole thing. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We have coming up how to make snow cones, including a cocktail with fresh snow. I can't wait to talk with you about that. This new way to make broccoli, Rob, that is so amazing. It's from Cook's Illustrated, and it's so spectacular. We're going to fight a little bit about what we think is the recipe of the year. <laughs> just so much on the show. So so we're just glad you're here. My treasured food buddies are here. Senior contributors, Chris Prosperi. We have Mark Raymond, a senior contributor, and also Robin Doyen Aiken, who's the senior producer and joins us on the show. Hey, everybody. Hey there. Hey, Here we go. That. All right. This is coming up. 10-minute steel-cut oatmeal. I know that sounds impossible. It does. Chris it keeps impossible. saying it's not possible. Not possible. 10 <laughs> minutes in the morning right. to make right. steel-cut oatmeal. Did anyone, grow, any of you grow up doing the snow thing, sugar Hello? on snow as they, <laughs> yes? Did, well, who didn't? Do people not go out and play in the snow anymore? Yes. Well, we oh, yeah. love playing in the snow, and you have to eat the snow. <laughs> did, but did your families do something? Robin, have you done it with your kids? Yeah, you mean like um, homemade snow cones type thing, or are you talking about fresh snow, snow candy? Fresh type? snow, you can do so many. You can do this so many ways. So it sounds like everybody's had exposure to this. Mm-hmm. I think kids are so excited about this idea, and, you know, kids at heart. And so we wanted to talk about this and give you some ideas for how to do this, because we certainly are going to have more snow. So, I know it doesn't seem like it. Bite your tongue. Okay, so um, we all know the dangers of yellow snow, so we're not even going to go. Oh, stay away. Here's another caveat. Pink snow, a scientist online, said pink snow is a sign that there's bacteria in that location of the snow. So you want fresh white snow. I have never Mm -hmm. seen pink snow, so I'm safe. Here's the (laughs) other question. People say, you know, it's falling from the sky. What about the pollution it's collecting on the way down? Scientists weighed in and said, actually, no, it's less polluted than rain, which goes into our rivers and lakes and streams, our watershed. So there you go. So not to worry about it. You just want clean snow. Okay. Here's the traditional, the maple snow Mm -hmm. cone. Everybody knows how to do this. Fresh snow goes into the paper cup or cone, whatever you're putting it in. Then you just drizzle it with pure maple syrup to your taste. If you want to do an adult Ooh. version, and we have a special Anthony DeSario cocktail coming, a snow cocktail that is just killer. Adult you could do this maple <laughs> snow cone with a little bourbon, splash of bourbon Ooh. for grown-ups. Ooh. Um, but for the kids, that's... I'd be out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> I'd one. I'd be out there longer. <laughs> okay. So um, what's another one? You can make candy with snow where you take the maple syrup and stick it in snow and you swirl... And the maple syrup oh, sure. hardens yeah, yeah, yeah. if you use a popsicle stick. It oh. hardens to the stick. Oh, I want to try and that. I've never heard that Everybody's one. got a mm-hmm. maple candy on the end of the popsicle That's stick. That's almost yeah. Wow. That's really pretty great. We just would make snow with a little sugar on it and eat it. That's well, you just, know what? Now with like soda machines and things like that, there are a lot of those 
syrups. Um, yeah, yeah, syrups and yeah. mixes that you can do. Yeah. Homemade snow cones oh, really sure. easy now. If you have yeah. a soda stream in your house, and exactly. you the little packets that come with it to exactly. make cola and stuff. Or really, squirt, any squirt, juice squirt. would work, really. Yeah. yeah. So now everybody's talking about doing, just as they do a frozen hot chocolate, how do we get chocolate into this snow cone material, this snow? Uh, mm. Do we mm-hmm. add chocolate syrup? Do we add cocoa powder? powder? Co- yeah, cocoa oh, powder. Do we one. make hot chocolate and then pour it in the snow into the hot chocolate? Or maybe we do like it. chocolate milk and have that be sort of the oh. flavoring of our oh. snow cone or snow candy. Maybe we get some of that Arethusa chocolate oh, ice cream mm. and we mix it with the snow until it becomes slush. Yeah. <gasps> and then we eat that with a spoon. Wow. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> Wow. Okay. All of a sudden, I'm hoping it snows. Mm, maybe add a little <laughs> where, where to were that. you when it's when we had the la- that last big storm? Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was sitting. We had the, a lot of snow. Yeah, and I was sitting at the window going, "I want to do something." Mm. I would have gone out there with a the bottle of bourbon and some maple syrup. <laughs> Where'd Chris go? But, you know, you can get really pretty fancy with this. Oh yeah. You could start to do. I have a little tip for you later on about orange zest, lime zest. Lemon zest. I love that stuff. I use it in so many mm. ways. So you can mix in. Like, let's say you did that bourbon drink. You could, bourbon and orange is a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. Mm. You could just put a little orange zest scraped yeah. into your cocktail, your snow, your snow, snow tail. Yeah. <laughs> is that How what we're calling Faith Middleton just... snow tails? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, one more. I want to say if um, you are going to mix some alcohol in this and you're, you're not a bourbon fan, I have just seen a snow cone mimosa. So that's ah, another idea. That sounds good. So how clever. does that work? It snows on Sundays. So, so that mimosa <laughs> is sparkling wine. Yep. Champagne flute filled with snow first. Yeah. And then pour in that's the That's just chilled... good right there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> A champagne flute with snow. No. That's okay, awesome. Yeah. And then... orange juice or the sparkling wine or Prosecco. Can you imagine mm-hmm. having guests over and in a snowstorm and fresh out, juice. outside you have on the porch or on your stoop, you have four or whatever glasses <gasps> of yeah. Yeah. filled with snow and people As walk people up arrive. and yeah, you're like, grab one of those because yeah. <laughs> yep. you have oh, to keep them cold, right? You the leave them outside, idea. grab one of those as you come in and then you sit there with your mimosa mix and pour how it right about, in. I like how, that. In fact, I'm seeing it now as you're describing this brilliant idea, Chris. You have the ice buckets, the, the bins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's packed with snow the flutes are in stuck, it, stuck in, in it, it with a little bit of filled with the drink and, and the, the little signs the says, bottles in there welcome too. <laughs> help yourself and come on in yeah. children children ready to go whoa so you know what happens is it. it's not so much that people have these like organized parties during a storm but neighbors do tend to come out oh, you're yeah. either shoveling you're snowballing whatever so it's neighbors that go over each other's houses it's the, not so much parties love the, right. the, the farm i live on there was over 20 people in and out of there on the snow, big snow, just in yeah. the oh, northwest yeah. corner. It was like all of a sudden people were just pulling in the driveway in big trucks and were drinking <laughs> yeah. beer and had the snowmobile. I mean, we had – it was just <gasps> like a revolving door. Beer snow. Beer, oh, beer snow. There Keeping you it go. cold. There so, you go. So that is a – remember we did the beer slush mm, ice cubes? Yeah. We did beer ice cubes on the show last yeah. summer. And they eventually, as it keeps your beer so cold, the ice cubes are beer so that when it melts, there's no watering down the beer. And in the bottom, you've got Mm -hmm. beer slush. So it's ultra cold. 
Well, now we could do it with snow, where we're just packing the mug with snow, and then, yeah, and then putting oh, yeah. the beer in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether you drink it or you be like a spoon, beer snow eat it with cone. a spoon. It would be fantastic. Absolutely. So that mimosa, by the way, is the ideal place. That snow-packed champagne flute. You pour the prosecco in, and you, this is the perfect time for that orange zest. God, yeah. would that perfect. be delicious? I love perfect. that. Oh, how fun. Now mm-hmm. I can't wait for a snowstorm. <laughs> and I'm not, Listen, I'm not a big kitchen gadget, but I love my rasp. Yeah. It's actually a woodworker's tool, and it makes the best zest, right? Mm-hmm. Really yeah. I mean, really if you don't does. have Are one, you're, that's the device. You're using you a rasp, not a professional zester, the ones we buy in the food stores. I actually using... still use the Home Depot rasps because <laughs> they're cheaper and they're sharper than the ones does you Does it get. work better? Yeah, it doesn't have a handle. It's the way they came in the beginning. They were these little metal things. They had no handle because yeah. they came right from the hardware supplier and they were sold in the kitchen supply store. So those are the ones I still use. Because the zester has a channel. Right. And it's yeah. actually hard to get the yeah. zest out of that channel. And the old yeah. one doesn't because, The right? rasp, the plain rasp from the hardware store. It has store. a little edge on it, but you could stick your fingers in and pull all the zest right out. Whatever you're using, the cheap way to go, Chris, is this the great rasp. idea, is to buy the rasp at the hardware store. I don't know what the material is. It's just metal. Uh, and as long as you don't use it for wood before. Yeah, okay. <laughs> pressure treated wood, let's be clear. <laughs> Send it through the dishwasher yeah. if you do. Okay, so there's that. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, how we were trying to invent the chocolate snow tail of yeah, some yeah, kind right yeah. here. I'm seeing chocolate chips. Oh. I don't know how this works. Hershey's I'm, I'm seeing uh, M&M's. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm seeing how to coconut. You could do an Almond Joy with help nuts. Me, help me mark with the liqueur. Godiva, right? Isn't there a oh, white chocolate liqueur? Yeah, and, exactly. Right? And there's all kinds of chocolate oh, yeah, liqueurs Baileys, You could I mean, Baileys. Oh, yeah. Irish cream. Irish cream. A Bailey's or Irish cream snow cone. This is uh-huh. good. Let's do one for the kids and for people who don't have alcohol. I'm thinking about these chocolate chips. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about chocolate syrup. I'm thinking about cocoa powder mm. to intensify the chocolate in the chocolate syrup because it's a little milk chocolate-like. And maybe yeah. we want to darken it a little bit. But you could do that with your bittersweet or semi-sweet chocolate chips. Absolutely. You could actually like just put them in the food processor for a little bit, shred them up so yeah, it kind of breaks it oh, a little yeah. bit easier into your snow. You could also just pack your mug with snow, then make a hot chocolate. Just pour it on top of the snow. You might want to add more snow so that it's good and slushy and you've got that frozen hot chocolate. Oh, yeah. How I'll, fun I'll is that for the kids? I'll cheat and I'll just take a – how about if you took a packet of like the Nestle's hot chocolate mix or the one with the marshmallows, the Swiss oh, Miss yeah. one, and you just take a bowl and you take a scoop of snow and you take that, mix it in there, and then pack it in a mug and eat it with a spoon with the marshmallows. There's often a garnish, and I I'm like thinking it. you take a Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're just getting fancy. Yeah. <laughs> No, okay. Or you know those or little kiss. you know those little chocolate mint sticks that you buy. Oh yeah, a twizzle. Was somebody online had this idea of doing this kind of affogato yeah. one? Ooh. So in other words, fresh oh. snow in a snowball Expressive. about the size of a baseball. Yeah, and you put it in a, a large coffee cup, and then you pour in sweetened condensed milk, and then strong coffee. Top it with whipped cream and chocolate shavings, and you eat it as fast as you can. There's some creativity. <laughs> yeah. So you start with the champagne and mimosa one, and then you end your party with that. With one. that going out the door. Out the door. 
it's with right, them right, yeah, in a yeah. paper coffee Or you cup. go for a little walk. So this is, we said to Anthony, I saw him last night at a place called Carson's. I said, Anthony, tomorrow we're going to be doing this snow slush thing, these snow tails. And I said, can you, you know, design something for us, a snow cocktail? And he said, you bet I can. And I thought, let's see what we're going to get. So, Robin, you have this. Tell us what he did. This is Anthony's. This is is on our site, by the way. It is. Hurricane Snow Swizzle. And so imagine this. Real McCoy rum, fresh lime juice. Or whatever rum you have. Or whatever you have. Fresh lime juice, simple syrup, amaretto, one or two scoops, fresh snow. Anthony calls it non-yellow snow. (laughs) I'm calling it clean snow. (laughs) Yep. Um. And a few dashes of Angostura bitters and some mint and then topped with some confectioner sugar, you know, for the snow effect. Oh, yeah. So here, so here you like see that. that you at home could do what Anthony just did. You could take any cocktail that you love and adapt it to snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just think how to do it. It's, it usually starts with packing snow into the kind of glass you're going to use and then mixing your cocktail into some kind of uh, container and then pouring it on top of the snow and then adding whatever you want to add mm-hmm. to it for a little decoration. So what you're saying is we could have snow gin and tonics? Because <gasps> I would be up Why for not? that. That's I genius. would totally be up for snow gin and tonics. That is genius. I, I don't even I know what to say. I think we should have say. a snow gin and tonic party. It's Christmas I'm in, in July. Yeah. I'm yeah. really telling you. I was thinking the same thing. <gasps> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That is genius. As you listen to this show right now, would someone please try it? Run outside. <laughs> <Absolutely. Yeah. No, laughs> Grab a scoop of snow. <laughs> and would you write to us? On Facebook, Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. If you've ever done, in fact, if you've ever done a snow cocktail that you love or a snow drink of any kind, you know, alcohol, Mm non-alcohol, would you tell us on Facebook, let's start brainstorming this together. Absolutely. So that's Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook, Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. And we will talk back and forth with you about what we're doing and what we're trying and what, what you've done for your kids if you want the kids to talk to us, we're thrilled to hear from them. Give <laughs> us some yeah. ideas. You know, that some delicious way to thrilled. eat snow. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay, that's great. And we have coming up Tracy O'Shaughnessy, who has written a book of essays, which I adore, called Put the Kettle On. We're going to talk to her about food and this book. Okay, I know you doubt me about this 10-minute steel-cut oatmeal. I know you do. I do. I, I, I'm having I'm a shake I'm telling I'm you right my now. Head. Here's what happened. Cooks Illustrated, I have them to thank for this idea. What they did is three cups of water. This is on our site under 60-second food schmooze. So you'll see three cups of water. You bring it to a boil. You take it off the heat as soon as it gets to a boil, and you stir in a cup of real steel-cut oats. Not pre-cooked. Not pre-cooked. That's what I'm saying, babe. A a little Mm. bit of dash of salt. He looks suspicious. cover (laughs) that pan. And you let it sit there overnight. And guess what you do? Uh, In the morning, here's where you make 10-minute oatmeal. In the morning, you add one more cup of water to that pot. And you cook it for about five minutes. You're just stirring, stirring, stirring. Then you just let it sit there for five minutes so it absorbs everything. Bang. You parse it. Ten-minute steel-cut oatmeal. I like it. I like it. Okay, I'll give you that one. That's good. Is that good? That's genius because you can leave it on the stove. It's only water and oats. Boom. Really, it's eight-hour steel-cut oatmeal. (laughs) You you don't... 
Well, maybe for some of you us. Just, some of us, it's only hands six off. hours. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have, you know, I was used to do it with the slow cooker. And oh, you yeah. Don't, you don't have to go through all that. Just leave it on the stove. A little bit of water and yeah. heat before you go to bed. It takes, what, two, three minutes. At night. Stir it up and yeah. put a lid on it and, and go to bed. There. And then in the morning, it. just put it Here back on with water. Here comes your 10 minutes. That's right. at foodschmooze.org. We've got that posted up there. I'll give you that. That's pretty genius. I know. I, and you know what? It's not my idea. It's Cooks Illustrated, and they, they the deserve yeah. full credit. Um, I hope you will come to see me with Amy Bloom. Uh, Girl Scouts of Connecticut is Yay. having its big fundraiser. I'm going to be interviewing her on stage. She is, of course, the novelist that we all, especially I, just adore. This is Wednesday, March 29th at noon, from noon to 2, a luncheon at the New Haven Lawn Club. I would love to see you there, a benefit for the Girl Scouts of Connecticut. I absolutely adore them, and that's why I, I agreed to do this, and that's why Amy agreed to do this. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Snow, I want to wash my hands, my face, and hair with snow. Snow, I long Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. We love the local on the show. We hope you will support your local food growers and food makers. We have the podcast we've told you about, meaning we'll send the show to you. You can listen anytime you want. That's how a lot of people do it right now. And, you know, we're wanting to hear from you on Facebook about your sugar on snow, your snow cocktails, all the great stuff you've done to eat snow in some fashion, <laughs> eat or drink snow. And that's at Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. Okay. Here we go. We've got a lot of things to tell you about. These are events that are coming up. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know that in June, we're going to have that cocktail event. So oh, I would like yeah, to baby. say to the bartenders. Get ready. <laughs> to the competitors, please be thinking that oh, we will announce it's time to enter and all this stuff. But I just want you, when you're driving in the car... When you're talking smack, as Anthony says, at your meetings, this is like the what to think about. We give a lot of publicity to the winners. It's one of the most fun parties of the year. The dancing the is unbelievable. It gets better every year. The best. <laughs> it does. And the audience gets bigger and bigger every year. Okay, so that's that. How about another thing to do? What do you got? In the month of October, first couple weeks of October, I am going to lead a trip Ooh, where are we going? Food and wine trip to Sicily. <gasps> nice. It's such an amazing place. That's in what I hear. In terms of culture, in terms of food. Every food reporter I ask, a food journalist, and I say, where is the best food in Italy? And they say, you know what? 
last place I wanted to go, and the best food in Italy, Sicily. Really? Every time? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. cool. Three times with three wow. major yeah. travel journalists. Yeah. And anyway, your la- just your last putting trip it was... in your mind, yeah. putting it in your mind. <laughs> uh, these are blowouts when we do these things. Okay, so oh, yeah. anyway, we're going to announce all that. And I, But here's a thing we did. This is exciting. I have to credit Mark Raymond for coming up with this idea. If you have a wine store, we want to let you know. Mm -hmm. If you are a visitor on our site or a listener to the show, we want to let you know that we have got these uh, shelf talkers, they're called. Yeah. Faith Middleton Food Schmooze Shelf Talker are going to be at your wine stores. We talk about these wines and we give you the label photograph online. You can take it on your phone. We So you can do the, all, everything you need to do to make. We thought, you know how to make it the easiest we can for people is put the shelf talker. When you go into a yeah. wine store, it says right there. Yeah. Featured you know, honored, on. Featured yeah. on. Honored on the yeah. food schmooze. Absolutely. Here it is. Big thing that easier. you can see. Yeah. And so, Mark, Big bright colors. Thank you. Big bright. Thank you, you for that idea. It. Yeah. So we're doing this. If you're a wine store, don't worry because the distributors of the wines that we mention are going they have these shelf talkers and they're going to be giving them to you so that you will then be able to order the wine in advance so that it's there for the customers so we're excited about this because yeah. often the wines we talk about on the show most of the time just sell out even when there are just a million oh, cases absolutely incredible. sometimes three four times they sell out. i keep thinking of the museum <laughs> From, Museum from Real. Spain, yeah, from the Spain. Museum Real, yeah. And it just... I just had oh my, my last I did, too. Bottle. That's why I was like... I and that, know. And the first time you mentioned it, I went looking for it, and everyone oh. I knew that had it said, no, we don't have it anymore. I know. That became yeah. a cult. That, yeah. A cult wine, because... It really was. Because I just thought it was spectacular, and I still do. You it's find still. the best. You really do find some good wines. Well, Absolutely. I, thanks to thanks to the participants, and you know, we've, we try to get the best curators we can... They say to me, in your tastings, please consider this wine. So it's Mark and Alex and all these wine people from these various distributors sending wine to us. If you want to send the wine to us, you just do it right to our location in New Haven. And we are glad to put it in the mix. We have, absolutely, you know, there aren't favorites here. We just put it in the mix and mm-hmm. taste it. And if we think it's a winner, that's our yeah. job to curate. Say, wow, for the price, this is a fantastic wine. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. So all three of us yeah. are going to be at this event. And I'm Robin, excited about And Robin, I hope this you will come. Oh, we got to have Robin. Robin, I really am serious. But there's a wine we, event? I'm, I am coming. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. Chris and I are going to co-MC, and Mark is going to be someone who is putting out wines for people to try at this really terrific thing. The Manchester Community College Foundation's 25th Evening of Fine Wines on April 28th, that's a Friday, from 7 to 11 on the main campus of the college. And you can get tickets now. This helps with scholarships for the students. Chris and I are going to have a ball at this thing, as you might imagine, not only trying wines, but uh, just being with you, having a good time with you. So I'm a, a big fan of scholarships for students who need that money uh, is life changing, and so Chris and I both decided we're doing this. We're doing this. So, 
Mark is going to be there with all kinds of delicious wines for you to try. On her behalf, I'm saying Robin's going to be there. <laughs> and I think we're going to drag Alex along. Absolutely. Gonna, I think absolutely. he's just going to want to be part of the We'll be doing research. And Faith, let me just say that this is one of the most incredible wine events because it's also a culinary school. Yeah. They have a great little culinary program there. So the food they yes. put out for this event is tremendous. Yeah. It's really a lot of fun. It's uh, a great night out. All right. So the tickets for this are at our website. This is an event at Manchester Community College for the Foundation's 25th Evening of Fine Wines. 25 years they've been doing this. Yeah. Chris, so it's at our website, foodschmooze.org, and we'll tell you the link to get tickets for this. It's $85 per person. Uh, If you've got a group of six or more, it's um, $75 per person. And so... The whole idea is that money goes to scholarships for these students who need it. Okay, uh, we're proud to be a part of it. Manchester Community College. That's at foodschmooze.org. Are there any other events? No, I don't think so. Not for the moment because we got so many things. We'll find some. Okay. How about Broccoli Rob? You know, yeah, you said that at the beginning, and I, it's been reeling in my head yeah. because I cook it in many different ways. Well, yeah, how do you but, do it? Well, I blanch it first, and then I saute it. Sometimes I'll, uh, sometimes I'll blanch it and grill it even. Mm-hmm. But I always start with blanching it, and I'm, I guess that's the way I was taught to do it. Yeah. yeah. I love it with sausage. Sausage yeah. oh, and broccoli gosh, rub yeah. with a little crushed red pepper, oh, olive yeah. oil. Oh. oh, my God. That's yeah. the best. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. But you said you have a new cooking method. Is that what well, you said? Well, I do. Beginning? It's not my idea. Okay. It is Cooks Illustrated once again. This is that whole team of people at Cooks Illustrated. And, Serious people. Uh, mm-hmm. Under the direction, the editorial guidance of John Willoughby, Doc, yeah. I call him. He's an old friend. And he is so good at gathering the team to look at the best things and make the article so understandable. And I have been enjoying it more than ever. And here they came out with this article some time ago, a really quick way, an interesting way to tame this notoriously bitter green. And it's how you cut it and it's how you cook it. But how about this? He broils it. In the oven. Huh. Isn't this something? So oven rack four inches uh-huh. from the broiler. No, nobody broils anything anymore. I, I, I find this fascinating. I just did steaks I, the other day. See, I, bro- I yeah. broil my grilled cheese. That's all oh, I do. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I totally okay. do that. Think of it this I'm way. Okay. About this so thing. four inches from the broiler yeah. element in your yeah. oven. Okay. And you've got a rim baking sheet with yeah. a little yeah. bit of olive oil, you know, a okay. tablespoon, just yeah. swooshed around down there. Then you trim and get rid of the bottom inch of the broccoli rub stems. Yep, gotcha. And you wash it. You rinse it off. You can trim up the stems if you want. And you put what's left, chop it up, and you put it on the sheet. Mix it with a little bit more olive oil, garlic, salt, some hot pepper flakes. Pour that all over the broccoli rub. Toss it with your hands to combine it. And you broil this on the sheet until... Half of the the leaves are well browned. It takes like a couple of minutes under the broiler. If you've got some tongs around, flip them around so that the parts that aren't browned get turned over. Mm. Put it back under there again until it's lightly charred and crisp and tender. It's going to be probably another two minutes or so. 
and then put it on a serving platter past those lemon wedges. I love that. Oh, that sounds really there good. There is no parboiling, yeah, which I, I always do. I always do. I was thinking here, why do I do that? And I guess, like I said, it's because of the way I was taught. But yeah, that's a step I, out now, I right? Just throw it under the broiler. <laughs> yeah. And then you can take it and chop it up and put it in with your sausage or do whatever you want with yeah. it. Okay, then, then, Mark, you know, if you've done your sausage, I mean, I don't know why you couldn't put your sausage under there, too. Yes, your you sausage can. cubes. Ooh, or put it yeah. on the same right pan, under on the, the same broiler. Pan. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, right, so that some of that juice in gets in. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then throw it back into a bowl, toss it a little bit. <laughs> and I'm with you. I'm thinking about this. And Mark said he grilled the steak. But why don't we use our broilers more? It's part of almost every stove out there. When I oh, was absolutely. growing up and we had, it was, it was a rare occasion to have steak. It was a very special treat and in Hartford. And I remember my mother would broil it. Everything was, yeah. Steak yeah. always went And you had the broiler pan. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. So the drippings would go into the pan yeah. and not, yeah. you know. And do you know yeah. what we would do? We would fight over who was going to get the drippings <gasps> at the Ooh, table. pour over the stove. No, not on the no? steak. We would take slices of bread oh. and soak it in the drippings. Oh. And if you won that prize, it was a lucky thing. And then you had one or two pieces of bread that are just mushy with those delicious fat juice oh, drippings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, oh, it's fabulous. So good. Do you know it's been so long since I broiled that I have to admit, I have forgotten how to broil. <laughs> no, I, seriously, I, my, I could it's, broil it's, grilled it's, cheese. It's, yeah, but that's what I say. It's the melt cheese the, setting on my oven. I need to re. <laughs> <laughs> That's I the only thing I use. You've got to leave the door open, right? I do you when I bump my cheese. But you can do fish. You can do steaks. You can yeah. do chicken. Why don't we boil? You know what? Somebody invented the gas grill, and everybody started moving outside for grill. Or baking. Or braising. Yeah, yeah. or yeah. braising. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's all in the oven. Still not... a cooking method. Yeah. It's wonderful. Somebody's right. got to bring out one of those broiler books. I tell you, books. when I you know, had re-issue. a steak, remember the old steakhouses broiled their steaks? Oh, yeah. And they, they had these big industrial broilers. Now, oh, like you yeah. said. Now Burn every, your hands on them all the yeah, time. Now everyone grills steak. Every restaurant you go to grills the steak. Or mo- Except for Mark. Mark does his wood fire steak. Well, yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> but but I'm saying Just did it last if, night. But if you're no. in a, but if you're in a restaurant, you get it on a grill. And back when I started, everyone was broiling, and it had, there's a totally different taste in the steak when it's broiled. I can tell when I'm eating a steak if it was done in a So broil. everybody now thinks the, the great way to go is to you know do the grill pan. To do it on top of the stove because there's a lot of control that way. I do steaks that way. Mm-hmm. But now I'm really reconsidering the broiler. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, what would be the difference in taste between a grill pan with the ridges, doing a steak on the stovetop and under the broiler? Would there be any difference? Yeah, I think because when I broil, and I, again, I don't do it that often, it's such an intense dry heat that you get this crispiness on the outside of the steak that yeah. you don't really get. You don't because think the, the grill pan ridges? Yeah, gonna... only on those ridges, though, right? Right. Yeah. Not right. on the whole. Not on the whole thing. And if you use the broiler mm-hmm. pan and do it right, your drippings even get. Heat. Yeah, yeah. it's even heat. And then you flip it and do the other side. It really is. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. They, like I said, it's a it's a glorified cheese melter. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe here on the show we should put together a broiling guide for people. 
I like it. You know, yeah. it, it's just going to take us a little while, but we'll put together some, yeah. some tips about broiling and some and, things and that we let's, broil let's practice like, at yeah, home. Let's broil something for next week's show. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. What, we always eat something, so I'll broil something. Okay. I got a broiler. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> right? How hard's that? You well, just put what, it in there. But here, and, uh, is this the craziest thing in the world? What do we do? We all go out and buy broiler ovens. We go buy toaster ovens yeah. when we have a broiler in the house. Already. <laughs> yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> so I, I want to rediscover it. Hey, by the way, I wanted to thank somebody for being in charge of, you know, you wonder how these recipes get on our site. You've heard us say this. Paula Pierce, you are just the bomb our on the show. Yeah. Really, thank you so much. She's my best friend. I know. <laughs> for the work you do for us is just as a volunteer, you are something, Paula Pierce. Thank you so, so much for what you do. Big let's, hugs from the let's crowd. Let's give her a yeah. virtual hug right virtual. now. Yeah. He's doing Here we go. Can you feel oh, it? Look Can at you feel it? Oh, that's He's nice. adorable. That's nice. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I, I adore these people I'm with more than I can say. I just am crazy about them. And I want to say, we celebrate people who love food on the show. What if we celebrate somebody who really doesn't love food so much? That's what we're going to do. That's <laughs> coming up next. We'll be right back. I have to celebrate you, baby. I have to praise you like I should. Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island. That's the Hamptons, of course, too. And to hear the show on WNPR, some people still do that. Mm-hmm. It airs Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. And my next guest, her book is going to be posted right there. This is somebody I absolutely adore, and I'll tell you about her in just a second. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Brusberry, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, and wine broker Mark Raymond of Weathersfield, Connecticut. Robin Doyen Aiken is part of our show this time, and she is also our senior producer and makes all the good things happen. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, and, you, and our other... You're so welcome and well-deserved. Our other... Guests will be back with us. We've got Alex, who's in St. Bart's, that lucky devil. Mm. And we have Anthony DeSario, who's off making cocktails somewhere. Mm. Okay. (laughs) All right. I want to talk with someone who is one of the best writers I know. This is Tracy O'Shaughnessy. She's at the Waterbury Republican, and she's written a book. It's called Put the Kettle On. When she goes off and writes a story for the Waterbury Republican, whether it's a column or especially when she's doing a review of something, an art review, let's say, I'm just falling on my knees. She is one of the best writers I know, so I couldn't wait to get her paperback. 
she just is one of the wisest people. She's so funny. You know, she's probably dying that I'm saying yeah, this. I'm dying. Because... I'm dying. I'm perishing here in the studio. <laughs> it's a terrible thing to say somebody's funny, but I, I just think she is. I whipped through this book so fast. And so, you know, I'm turning you on to the adventure of devouring a good read as well. This is a book of essays, as mm-hmm. well as talking with Tracy O'Shaughnessy about food. Now, Tracy, you seem to think you're not qualified. Yes, I will hold to my death the belief that I am the least qualified person. <laughs> in Connecticut and possibly in New England to speak about food. You know, this is not true because we have had brief chats and I have said to you, where do you like to eat or what do you like to eat? And you're babbling away. So what do you mean? What are you talking well, about? Well, oh, I like to go out to eat. The pleasure of going out to eat is, number one, you do not have to do the dishes. Number <laughs> yeah. two, I basically like to go out to eat because I like ambiance and I like decor. What I don't like is fussiness and I don't like to be made a fuss over. And also, of course, I don't really like food. So I'm the person who opens the menu. <laughs> so not true. It's a process of elimination. It's it, like I'm looking at the menu going, no, 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 eh, maybe, no, 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 okay, if I have to. <laughs> well, so, where do you go? Do I have to say that I go to Carol Peck's because everybody does? Oh, this, yeah. this is in Woodbury, Connecticut. Yeah, I, love I love that place. Ooh. Yeah, but great I mean, There are some wonderful places in Cheshire, Veron, Osteria. There's also mm-hmm. wonderful places here in Waterbury. If oh, yeah. Like, if you like southern Italian yes. red sauce, we are... Like red sauce central here. Oh yeah. Can I can I tell you a place I just ate this past weekend and it was a knockout. And it's old school Italian and it's Tavola. Oh yeah, Tavola. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone here goes to Tavola. In Waterbury. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really good. The yeah. chef is awesome. Yeah. That's I had one of the my most favorite restaurants in Unbelievable short ribs yeah. and it's by really far nice. one of the best Waterbury now, see, restaurants. Here we come to our big problem. Mm. When you say a word like short ribs, I'm a literalist, and that just goes right to my viscera. <laughs> You're like, I'm not eating because that. <laughs> I, first of all, don't like to eat anything that looks like what it actually is. <laughs> so what would be? Well, when I eat chicken, which is not very often, I do not like to be an osteopathic surgeon of poultry. I like the chicken to be as unchicken-ish as a chicken can be. <laughs> so kind of in a blender? You like it? Yeah, not in a blender, yeah. no, because that would be painful for the chicken, yeah. and that would be icky for me. So I want it to basically look like a cracker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> chicken under a brick. You like and, chicken under a brick, I think. Yes, and I try not to think about the fact that it was once a squawking walk. Are we hearing a vegetarian? Well, I wish I had the moral fortitude for vegetarianism, but the truth is, I just find the whole thing kind of ooky. <laughs> and how about as a child? Was... So, of course, I was forced to eat meat except on Fridays when I got to eat pizza because everybody else ate fish, which I thought was Catholic. yucky because those oh, sh- things swam. We <laughs> spent our Friday nights going to Alexander's Pizza and Folsom's Fish Food. Absolutely everybody went to Folsom's Fish Food. And huh. you could see the things that you were about to eat, which I think is what got me. Once oh, you see yeah. those things animated, you cannot stomach the idea that they're going to be on your plate. I'm the opposite. Isn't I go to the aquarium in Mystic and oh. say edible, non-edible, oh. edible, non-edible. Oh, that's 
how cool you are. You know, I think, don't you think there's some sort of secret sort of sadism on the part of a real chef? You know, that they plunge these poor lobsters into boiling oil. I mean, this is what they used to do to, like, you know, the Quakers on the green in Boston in the 17th century. I think a decent chef cares about not having a creature suffer. People are buying their stuff at farms as much as they can where they're humanely slaughtered. I mean, Ah, they're really... That sounds painful, too. There's a conundrum. This is a handicap, I want to tell you, that to be a non-foodie in this society is a real handicap. Because you go to places and everybody is, look at the pork. Look how wonderful they do the shrimp here. And you're thinking, like, that sounds so unpalatable. (laughs) And then you say, can I have the garden salad? People look at you like, what is wrong with you? Why did we invite you? She's so refreshing. I want to go to dinner with you. This is fantastic. All right. Let me ask you. I'm going to say the name of a dish, some Uh food, and you say, "Mm -hmm, no. Do I have to pay you at the end for 15-minute hours? Here we go. Crispy truffle fries with a sprinkle of Parmigiano-Reggiano on them. Greasy. I'm squirming. Squirming now. Greasy? Greasy, yeah. Doesn't crispy translate as fried? Isn't this America? Who's the cook at home? Nobody cooks. My husband makes soup that doesn't move, and I use the microwave. (laughs) I say, this does not constitute soup, Alan. This is the swamp that Trump wants to drain right here. (laughs) (laughs) In your kitchen. In your kitchen. Okay. All right. What is the food served in heaven? Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you. It is Panera's autumn squash soup. Oh. Really? Yeah. And is there bread with it? No bread. I'm not a bread person. Of course not. <laughs> no, because... <laughs> no, because I do not want to undercut my image as a food hater. <laughs> no, exactly. You have a reputation now. I have a to reputation uphold. to uphold of hating. Mm. Everything. I know. You know how they put the restaurant reviewers' picture in the kitchen mm-hmm. in restaurants? Yeah, yeah. Tracy, your picture's going to be everywhere. everywhere. Here she <laughs> comes. Wanted. I know. We love I find you. Find you to be a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The problem with going to a high-end restaurant because I have to, as my job, this is a terrible occupational hazard that I face, which is that I'm often in places that are very high-end restaurants, and the waitress will come out dressed better than I am in Armani Black, and she will say, well, we are very, very lucky to have Chef Antoine with us tonight. (laughs) We are lucky to have purloined him from the streets of New York. Do you know that Chef Antoine has been a resident scholar at the Auberge de Tête de Merde. Uh, he is at an admission at the Hotellerie de Connerie. Is he really going to be behind the stove? Because it seems like beneath him. Is he giving a lecture? Do yeah. you see why I love her book? I love her. Absolutely. I just love this I hope this you come woman. to my restaurant. You know, I'm wondering where I can catch her stand-up act. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I'm asked to speak in and around the area, and somebody said to me, Tracy, after hearing you speak, I think I have two roles for you if you never need a new job. One is a nun, and one is a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And I was like, you know, hey, why not do both? Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be just, oh, my God, is the correct Uh, response. So Tracy has done this book, Put the Kettle On, a collection of her essays, 
I just whipped through this. Uh, most adorable dog on the front of this book, anyway. So I didn't even say what Tracy does, really. Oh, she, yes. Well, I not actually really. Some people pay me for this. I know. She's, she's the associate features editor at the a Republican American in Waterbury, writes about family life, religion, society, culture. She's won a host of awards for her work, and I think I mentioned as we came into this that as someone who enjoys writing and reading, I kind of faint when I read her her feature stories. Well, They're my just... aim in life, Faith, is to make you swoon. Oh. oh, are you saying that is sarcastically? Or yes. You... Oh, yes, that is not a pass. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but no, I'm taken. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> too funny. I'm bummed you're married. She said she's taken. <laughs> she's bummed you're married. You, you have to understand that I am the product of a mixed marriage. So I had oh. an Italian grandmother, Nana Pascarella, mm-hmm. and I had an Irish grandmother, Grandma O'Shaughnessy. It was Grandma O'Shaughnessy who put the kettle on. That was what you did when there was anything resembling emotion in a person in the house. Oh, my God, someone was about to cry. Then you would hear my grandmother say, Oh, Danny, put the kettle on, put the kettle on. And that meant we were going to have tea and we were going to have Irish food, which consists of square, dense, packed flour, (laughs) which you consume with very milky, very lukewarm tea, Mm. and everything gets better. You talk. You pour your heart out. You didn't pour your heart out. Because my grandmother was, O'Shaughnessy was very uncomfortable with emotion. But there was something that happened when that tea kettle went on. And when that sound went off, and when I could smell the, yes, I might as well admit it, salada tea in the cup, there was something very... Salada tea. Salada tea. and sort of remedial about the whole process. And then the next thing I know, she would say something like, Oh, darling, at two, there's going to be a swell picture on, a swell picture. And that meant that we were going to, like, spend the afternoon with this tea and flowery bread watching, like, Douglas Sirk melodramas. Mm. There's, there's an essay in here about this. And I was so in love with not only this essay and Tracy, but I was so in love with your grandmother. I'm delighted to hear that because she was worth loving. And she told me a lot about love, which is that you do not have to necessarily, you know, warm somebody with this affectionate, choking embrace, but that you could express your love with gestures, with language, with the way that you looked. And with most importantly, when somebody walked in the room, having them sit down and say, okay, Dallin, now tell me every little thing. And she would really mean it. Mm. Now, on the other side of the spectrum in a rent-controlled apartment somewhere in East Arlington, Massachusetts, was my Nana Pescarella, who was this enormous woman <laughs> with, like my mother would say, she had brassiers that if you filled them with rice, you could feed all of India. <laughs> and she was kind of frightening because Nana actually cooked. <laughs> In my grandmother O'Shaughnessy's house, things crumbled. In my Nana Pascarella's house, things oozed. They splattered. They spilled. They bubbled. They were, like, bloody and real and frightening to me, (laughs) who was worried that I would be basically consumed by these two enormous breasts that were beckoning me, come over here and hug your big fat Nana. 
And I would think, I'm going to get caught in there. I'm never going to get out. And I would stand there stunned and terrified. And my Nana Pascarella would say, come over. I trimmed my whiskers for you. Oh, that is so great. That is so great. Ever so much better. And she had a kind of interesting, and I think people who like food do this, she had this kind of moral equivalency that related food and food consumption to the kind of virtues you possessed as a person. She would go to Johnny's Food Master and see certain people, we won't mention them, but they did marry my father and they weren't my mother. And she would say these things about her like, she's got nothing in her cot but canned boxes and generic food. No produce whatsoever. She never eats anything that isn't canned or in a box. And this was somehow meant mm. that this person had no virtue whatsoever. They had no integrity. They were not authentic. They were phony. And, of course, you know, not everybody's a cook. And I see that with other people, too, how they do that with food. And so I'm very careful to say, you know, like, let's have the garden salad. I'm very careful to be sort of worshipful. At least they look like pieces of art. That is, I think, what I like about going to a restaurant. It's so pretty uh, how people put things together. And as somebody who writes about art, visual art, painting, Mm. sculpture, I really have an appreciation for that. I know you do. And I appreciate, too, that this is where conversations are had over tables in places great and small when people look one another level in the eye. And this is... I think what we miss now as a society that depends so much on technology for our relationships. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tracy, can people in this day and age make a contract to be best friends? Because I'd really like to <laughs> do a contract with you. Is this possible? <laughs> I know you're supposed to like put in time and stuff. I read I the book did. two times. Does that count? Oh, that okay. All right. So here it is. This is called Put the Kettle On and Other Cultural Disconnections, a book of essays by Tracy O'Shaughnessy. It's at foodschmooze.org. We'll link you right to the book. You're the best guest, really. Just adore you. Thank you you so so much much for being on the show. I hope I didn't offend every last one of your listeners. Well, I, I don't think you did. I don't see how you can't fall in love. Thank you, uh, was Kate. that was that a little bit too much emotion? Yes, definitely. <laughs> I guess like I'm like I'm in a puddle of here. <laughs> I just want to hug you. Well, you're I very know. kind. You're so great. Okay, Bye. we're on WNPR Thursdays at three, Saturdays at noon, weekdays. Listen for my sixty second food schmoozes, and remember, never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, sorry, Tracy. I'm Faith Middleton. Thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little party in your life, we're here and online all the time at foodschmooze.org. And of course, also on Facebook at Faith Middleton Food Schmooze.